With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO Des Moines. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO with you until noon. 15 minutes away or thereabouts from Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. He will uh, recap yesterday's, well, dual press conferences in Ames. Jamie Pollard, as he unveiled his grandiose plans, as well as Matt Campbell, as he talked about the upcoming game against uh, ULM. So we'll do that with Alex, and then Bill Bender will slide on in here. About 11.35, 11.40, Sporting News doing a whole lot of lists on this 150 years of college football, greatest Hail Mary. The quarterbacks, dot, dot, dot. We'll do some college football with him as the schedule uh, really starts to... It's good and it's bad. It's bad because we're coming to the end of non-con season. It's good because we're coming to the end of non-con season and the conference <laughs> play is about to begin. Uh, Trent, a couple of things. You know, I'm starting to pay attention well, to you and what you're, you're tweeting, this, this elite sports book over uh-huh. uh, in Riverside, they have the uh, sports um, gambling contract, if you want to call it that. They, they, are, they are the provider at Riverside. And also one more, right up in northwest Iowa? Larchwood is the name. It is way up in the northwest That's the corner. town, Larchwood? Yes. It's I've a, never heard of that. It's a town of about 800 people. That's where LeVar Woods is from, that area. LeVar Woods. And they put a casino in Larchwood. Inwood West Line is the name of the West Line is the high school up there. Really good football program throughout the years. And it is very close to Sioux Falls. Gotcha. So it's right kind of in the so the southwest corner of Minnesota hits that. Yep, absolutely. South Dakota, of course, to the left. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So, but anyways, back and, to and my... there's one other Rhythm City in the Quad Cities, also a part of Elite Sports. So, so there's got three. three. Yes. Um, that, that get my attention a little bit here, Trent. I, I like the fact that they're doing, because I don't think William Hill, which mm-hmm. is the local one here, uh, you can find him at Lakeside, you can find him at Prairie, uh, has conference divisional odds. Right. And you posted something yesterday that's, A, it's out of whack, but B, <laughs> the reason it is out of whack is because it's so close to the University of. But the, the odds to win the Big Ten West and Iowa, and again, consider where who's betting, making this wager, where that population comes from. And I think a lot of people do miss this part. And this, it's, a huge, it's a huge, huge factor. Another thing to also realize, William Hill has Des Moines. The well, biggest, they've got four, but yeah, they've got the But more, they have right. the biggest population Bar base, nine. and with that, much easier to balance the books when you have a lot more uh-huh. money coming in, as opposed to a smaller book, and that's what Elite Sportsbook is in comparison. The amount of money wagered, how lines can shift because of that, also play into this. Because if we had a true, say, national number for the Big Ten West odds, Wisconsin would be the favorite. They yes. would be 3-2, to two, plus 150? Yeah. 
Iowa probably would be the second, second choice right now for sure. Maybe more along the lines of five to two, plus two fifty, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Maybe even two to one, but we're getting to semantics. Regardless, that's how it would if this was all one big national pool of people, or betting. even statewide pool. It very well could be that, absolutely. But because of the location of Elite Sportsbook, not just south of Iowa City, but also Quad Cities, huge contingent of Hawkeye fans there. I'm sure they have a ton of liability on the Hawkeyes. Mm -hmm. Because of that, that's why I was the listed favorite. But they do it, and they update it every week. And this is something I love. This is also the sports book that have put out before the season every single line for Iowa and Iowa State in their game. Those lines have adjusted. They have changed. Iowa was once a two-touchdown underdog against Michigan coming up in a few weeks. Now, seven and a half. (laughs) That point spread has moved. The reason for it? They have a lot of Hawkeye uh-huh. money, a lot of liability, and they're trying to get some buyback. People jumping on the Michigan side of that line. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. They mm-hmm. want to balance the books, and so you're going to get a really good price if you like Michigan uh, in that football game. But, you know, they're, they're doing things right over there, Trent. I, I like the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're willing to put these numbers up. And again, it's going to be a skewed just wherever you bet. We told the story about the Council Bluffs and all the Nebraska mm-hmm. National Championship money right. that foolishly came in. Right. Uh, but it did, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to realize, look around and look what kind of, you know, when you're in the book, what what are the what's the clientele wearing? Right. <laughs> um, so so anyways, I have a theory. I have a. I want to run this by you. A couple of things. because I want you to provide me the price. Mm-hmm. We do our we tape our show on MediaCom as soon as we get off the air here today. We're going to talk about futures. I think next week we kind of start. There's something for everybody, right? We not dummy it down. That's not we. For those people that have no idea about betting on sports, we try to cater to them as well as the, you know, the audience that's been doing it for a, a length of time. Because we don't want to just, uh, you know, to target one portion of the audience. So today we're doing parlays. Next week we're going to do futures. So I started to look ahead because I'm I've got a theory as to, and I'm hoping it's a double digit, maybe fifteen, eighteen to one. What's LSU? Because here's the thing. When I look at LSU, you know what they've got that they seldom have? Well, quarterback. Yes. And a quarterback offense. that can chuck it. Well, in an offense that actually makes sense in what they're doing. They've had talent. Right. At the running back position, at the skill positions, for sure. We look see at the those Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Those uniforms. two guys played together. Think about that. In college. Right. In college. Jarvis Landry together with Odell. Uh, crazy. But seldom do but they, they have, have a quarterback, quarterback that can throw the ball as accurately as... And we've, we've told you about this quarterback girl and Brady who comes over from New Orleans. I can't think of it. Is it Joe Brady? I think it's Joe Brady. Okay. Let's call him Coach Brady, not QB Brady, Coach Brady. He has made a world of difference with Joe Burrow to the extent that Joe Burrow is starting to show up at the back end of first-round mock drafts, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. He has elevated his game that much. But LSU's got... They're not used to having a quarterback who can throw it with some zip, and more importantly, with some accuracy, and then Part C is willing to do so. Yes. So what's their number? Because I think they've got a lot. Look, I'm not convinced on Alabama. I'm just not convinced on Alabama. It's hard to tell what they are right now because of the competition that they played and had some dicey moments against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I don't think a real good South Carolina team by any means either. Real good story under center at South Carolina, as we talked about with Helensky. Duke, it was yeah. 14-3 at the half. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's, It's hard to tell. So I can buy in. The other thing, they're in the right conference. Even if they would lose that game to Alabama November 9th, they go 11-1 and and we get chaos and we have a two-loss Big Ten champion and a two-loss Pac-12 and a two-loss Big 12 champion. If you hit that, suddenly... 
there's an opening for a second mm-hmm. SEC team, as we've seen in the past. And at 11-1, and with a road win at Texas, LSU certainly would have a compelling case. So I don't think you're out of line by any means here. So if you make a detour on your way home, you can stop by William Hill over at Prairie. And what can I get? You can get a 10-1. to 1. Take me to uh, what's fastly, quickly becoming one of my favorite sports. But what's the lead to have them at? Also 10-1. to I one. thought maybe there'd be a difference. But speaking of price shopping and bringing it back here to the local level, mm-hmm. you're a believer in the, those Iowa Hawkeyes, and you're going all in. Mm-hmm. 200 to 1 at William Hill. To win the national championship? To win the I'm not national that much chip. of a believer. <laughs> I don't think they're going to win the West. 200 to 1. Okay. If you want to do it, though, at Riverside at Elite Sportsbook. Here's the comparison. What are they? 75? Go lower. Are you kidding me? 50? Lower. They're 200 to 1 at William Hill. Yes. You get over to the eastern part of the state, and they're 30? They are the eighth betting choice right now at Elite Sportsbook. At thirty to one, same as Notre Dame, Utah, better odds or worse odds depending on your perspective than Auburn, Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, Oregon, Texas, on and on and on. Again, where the money is coming in. So, Trent, if it's worth the, how far would it be? Ninety miles to the from Prairie to Riverside. Yep, yep. So, so ninety miles, you can get one hundred and thirty points essentially. Yeah, right. Yes. Right. You can get two hundred to one if you stop in Altoona. Yeah. Or for those folks over in the eastern part, drive to Altoona would be the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And we have lots of listeners that listen on iHeart and I know listen on the east side of the state. I'm telling you, if you really believe on your Hawkeyes and you want to put a bet down. Get over here. Get over here. Don't do it at Riverside for that one. But like we said, I I love what Elite does. The local (laughs) lines, looking forward, they, they do a lot of good things. This one, though. You're not getting a whole lot of value on those Hawkeyes. At so at, at the top of it, Clemson is what at William Hill and what at Elite. You would think that Elite would have a better price because they're trying to get a bet on anything other than the Hawks. Clemson has uh, two to one odds at Elite and Alabama three to one. The two big okay. favorites there. So William Hill's got to be about the same. And plus two twenty five for Clemson at William Hill. Plus two forty is all though mm. for Alabama again. Value shopping, and this is what you're going to do. And if you're really looking to make a profit, I always say it's an entertainment tax for me. Of course, I want to get the best numbers, but for me in the grand scheme of things in the end, I'm going to lose at the end of the year, and I know this. But for this... It's your entertainment tax. Yes, but if you're looking, you think you're going to get a profit, find the best line, shop around. If this is something where you're making this and you think you're going to set up the vacation for the family, and you're going to make... 1500 bucks for the for the football season. These are the things you have to do. If you're playing these futures, you're looking for the best numbers, you have to shop around. You really do. Uh, soon there'll be another one that's kind of close to us. I don't know when DraftKings and Wild Rose are going to cut the ribbon and uh, in Jefferson. It's got to be coming up here, I would think. They've been approved. Right. Uh, so it's got to be any week, but... Um 200 to 1 as opposed to 30 to 1, that is worth getting in the car, man. That is significant. That's thing. crazy. Alex Halstead joins the program next. Miller and Condon till noon. Bill Bender still to come. National College football writer for the Sporting News. We're here until noon on, uh, it's uh, what, 14 minutes after the hour 11 on 1460. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back to Lorraine Condon. 20 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Lots of ground to cover, cyclone-related. 
with Alex Halstead, 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com. Bill Bender in about 20 minutes from the Sporting News. He's their National College football writer. Alex joins the program. Alex, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Alex Halstead, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, moving into the final non-conference game now and then that big 12 play so an important week for Iowa State to try to fix some things before they get into a critical stretch run no doubt about that you know let's start with the press conferences yesterday let's begin with uh we'll save the football related uh till after we talk about Pollard's vision and uh, how long it's going to take etc so he apparently on uh, Murph and Andy last week teased about some big announcement that's going to be forthcoming uh and yesterday that announcement was made public um boy uh certainly optimistic uh, a lot of uh, Cyclone fans very optimistic that this is going to be able to, you know, to see the light of day. And I don't think he goes forward with that if he doesn't believe that there's a realistic chance that this is going to happen. Did you see this coming? I, I didn't see it being this. I think, yeah, there were rumblings about an announcement, but I'm not sure anybody really knew um, what it was. And uh, this is much grander and bigger than even the press release that I got yesterday morning because we initially got kind of a release of hit outlining that, you know, Iowa State was turning this over to Jamie Pollard and the athletic department and, and kind of, you know, in words, you can't really get a picture of what they're talking about. And then when they had the video and, and the, the, I guess, the pictures and the renderings, I think you get a much better feel for what they're trying to do here. But I do agree with you. I don't think this is something that they make this public or, or go forward with, um, you know, even into these first stages if they don't think it's something that's that's pretty feasible. Now, it might not be as grand and big as, as they're looking right now, depending on what this feasibility study comes back. But I don't think you uh, do this without thinking there's going to be something. So I think eventually there's going to be something there. It's just a matter of how big and, and what this could actually look like down the road. Speaking of big projects, this obviously would be a huge undertaking, not just for the university in the athletic department, but Ames as a whole. When you look at what is left in terms of sports, what still needs to be done for the infrastructure, for what they're continuing to build. It seems like seemingly every other year we have some big project from athletics. Is there anything else that, in your mind, needs to be done to help out the athletic department as a whole? Yeah, yeah. They've done about everything you can under Pollard. You know, when you look at his tenure, you look at a new softball and track complex uh, out to the east side of Ames, uh, over by the towers. Um, There's been, obviously, um, the South End Zone project. There's been the Suka Basketball Complex. Um, they've renovated the wrestling rooms. Obviously, you know the, the thing coming right now is the $90 million Sports Performance Center that Pollard announced yesterday will be open in January 2021. That's all the construction going on right now. There's obviously been the Bergstrom Football Complex even. And so there's been a lot of different stuff. They're going to have $25 million renovations that start to Hilton Coliseum next year. Um, so just right now, between the Sports Performance Center and Hilton Coliseum, They've invested $115 million in, in projects that are currently underway or that are going to soon be underway. So this would be the newest thing, um, would it be this project, that district. But I do think the one thing that's probably still left, um, and maybe I'm talking from a, a media standpoint, is is the press box. And it won't be as much the press box as it would be for us as it would be, you look at what, what people are doing around the country, Kansas State, I think Iowa, different people who have done press boxes recently, the press box is obviously part of that area, right, but, it's but more. a big part of it is the suite. Right. And so I think that's probably the next big thing for them, and that's probably could be a revenue driver is um, is bringing in people who want to buy suites. And so yep. I think 
that would be the next big thing I could think of because I think they've done a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, if it was called the corporate suites and the press just happened to be part of it, I think it'd be an easier sell. But because nobody wants to help the press, and uh, I get, but it doesn't fit anymore, Alex. It doesn't. It, it it did at one point, but the stadium is so much bigger. It just looks like it's an afterthought in that stadium. Now, again, if it wasn't the moniker wasn't the press box, it was called the corporate suites, and you guys just had space in it. I think it'd be an easier sell. Yeah, I, yeah, because I mean, like I said, it wouldn't really be for the press. It's, right, it's where the press sits. But you know, I went to Oklahoma State last year, and it's like five levels or whatever. It seems like, and you get to different parts, and it's clearly it has nothing to do with a press box. It's sweets. I mean, they've got fancy food, they've got all this different stuff. Even TCU last year, they just redid their press box. It's about the sweets, and that's what more and more people are starting to do with their press boxes. Is you know, you could envision it being across the entire you know, side of that stadium, and then it's all sweet, and then there's one level right in the middle um, that's for the press. But that's probably the biggest thing that they could probably do because they've done about everything else you can do around Jack Trice Stadium um, except for that. Uh, Oklahoma State fans never wanted to see the end of Gallagher-Ibe Arena, uh, and they did. Is there going to come a time, and this is this is tough for a lot of Cyclone fans to swallow because they just love it, and I get it. I mean, there's been a lot of great moments there, but there's been a lot of great moments at Yankee Stadium. You know, there's a lot of stadiums that, you know, they just, their shelf life expires. Is Hilton going to be ever one of these projects that they, you know, roll up their sleeve and just at least explore? Well, I think it'd be way down the road just for the fact of, you know, next spring, right after graduation, you know, they're probably going to start that $25 million renovation. So, you know, the fact that they're continuing to invest money into that, I think, you know, they would like to try to bring it up modern. And in some ways, I think a big part of that, $25 million project is to make it uh, look a little bit more modern, but also expand the concourses, which would then uh, lead to more food offerings. And so um, you know, I think they're trying to, instead of you know look down the road like that, I think they're more so trying to invest and try to maybe modernize it a little bit. And also I think there's some other internal stuff, internal stuff like elevator shafts and stuff that they're going to bring up to speed with that $25 million renovation. So I think that would have to be way, way, way down the road because I think you know they're more so looking to um, invest in that facility. Alex Halstead joining us, CycloneAlert.com here on Miller & Condon on KXNO. Alex, well, there's so much going on, but there's also a lot going on. It is football season, by the way. I don't know why Pollard couldn't have done this in July, but here we, <laughs> here we are. Seriously, though, Louisiana Monroe this week, still tough loss to swallow. I'm sure the locker room after the game was difficult as you were there a long time afterwards. How have the players been this week, coaches, when you've had a chance to talk with them? Still down from the game on Saturday evening into uh, afternoon into the evening? It, it seems like there's actually you're quite more quite a bit of optimism, I think, because they feel like there are so many opportunities for them to to win that game, and that I think they feel if they can clean some of those things up, they can do what they want to do in Big Twelve play. Still, I mean, you could point to a couple different things that could could have changed that game. You know, you look defensively. Obviously, they allowed Iowa to go 10 of 19 on third down conversions. I think Nate Stanley had a big, um, big part in that at times. You know, made some big plays. Uh, but there are times that you know, third and 22, you don't get off the field, and then they go down and get a field goal. I think there are two interceptions that Campbell has referenced. Mike Rose had a one he dropped around midfield. Mm-hmm. They had the one on third down uh, that Lawrence White just missed in the end zone. That then the Iowa kicks the eventual game-winning field goal. And you flip to the offensive side of the ball now, and uh, you know, I think they had you know four drives that went inside the Iowa 37 and they didn't score uh, even though they put up 418 yards of offense. So, you know, that's positive, but it's also kind of, you know, are they going to figure some of these things out? Um, And so I think that's kind of probably 
where they're at right now is I think they still feel okay, and that's why you heard Brock Purdy and Matt Campbell say that that game maybe doesn't define them. But I think, you know, there's still kind of this uh, feeling of they better figure it out because, you know, you got Louisiana Monroe this week who almost upset uh, Florida State, and then you go right into Big 12 play, and uh, Baylor's one of the top Big 12 teams right now. There's 130 college football teams. Only five of them have, uh, have elected not to try and run back a punt, and there's only one other Power 5 school, and that's Vanderbilt. Why is Iowa State... Um, not even will, not even, you know, they didn't even want, they put their arm up as soon as the ball seemingly is in the air. They've turned down opportunity, not all of them, uh, because some of them were, you know, there was the right decision to call for a fair catch, but they haven't even attempted to run a punt back. What analytically is telling them, um, you know, just, just, just call for a fair catch. We don't want you to attempt because there's, there must be being coached not to try and run back a punt. Yeah, that's something actually I think we probably have to dive a little bit deeper in with Matt Campbell because I think it is one of the things that stands out right now uh, with their special teams. And, and they've gone a little bit different this year. Obviously, in the past, it's been one guy back there. They're kind of going with that safety punt look. You know, when you put two guys back there, it's kind of more of that safety punt. And they've put uh, Tariq Milton and Deshante Jones back there. So they've obviously, you know, went to that route. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing I've heard from the fan base so far is, you know, they, they want to try to see them help their field position in that punt return game. And I think the kick return game, too. Um, you know, now, when you look back to the, the Iowa game, I think uh, it would have been better if uh, right. Johnny Lane would have fair caught a few more of those. But I think you've got to pick and choose and, and figure out where you can help your field position. And, and when you look at the kick return game, sometimes you have to help your field position by taking a fair catch or letting it go mm-hmm. through the end zone. You know, that Johnny Lane one where he didn't fair catch it, uh, he gets out to the 11, half the distance to the goal on a penalty you go three and out at your own six. The only three and out in the game for Iowa State. Uh, punt, Iowa gets it at their 25-yard line, and uh, it's their only touchdown drive of the game. And so that's a big difference maker of the game. And so their special teams can hurt them, uh, but I think they got to find ways to help themselves. Uh, sometimes that means returning a punt, and uh, sometimes that, that means not taking a kick out of the end zone. And, you know, with the, with the punt return, look, it's it's Milton, it's Deshante Jones. This is two guys that have some ways. It's not like they're putting Julian Goat Jones back there and telling him to you know, make a play. I mean, these are guys that actually can. Ma- I don't get it, Alex. It's driving me nuts. Anyways, Trent, go ahead. Well, yeah, Alex, yeah, we saw we saw Tariq uh, return them last year with success. So right. They got to figure out a way to get the ball in Tariq's hands back there. Well, that aside, what else with this team? You're two games in. There, there's still, I mean, ten games to go here in the regular season. The offensive line took a big step forward from what we saw sure in that did. Week One performance against you and I. What still concerns you? What still is that that hiccup, short of an injury, you know, to the quarterback position or somewhere else? Short of that, that you still say maybe this isn't an eight win team. Maybe this is more a team fighting for bowl eligibility. What would it be that you'd point out at this squad? Yeah, I think you definitely have to look at the offensive side. I think they have the offensive potential to be a really, really good team. But you look at what some of these Big Twelve teams are doing, like in Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State and Baylor haven't necessarily played great competition, but you know, they're just been, they've been really efficient. And even against lesser competition, they're putting up, you know, incredible numbers. And I think that's probably the biggest thing with Iowa State is they've got to find a way to somehow find some efficiency. And I know some of it comes back to, you know, you get to the, say, 32 yard line, you get a false start, you're back to the 37. Um, and then all of a sudden you got to take a delay of game and punt it. And there's, there's different things that have, that have halted some of these drives. Some of them are self inflicted. But they've got to find a way to stay in rhythm. Um, you know, it can't just be between uh, the 20s or between the 30s that they move the ball. They've got to find ways, you know, to to do something on plus on the plus side of the field. You know, you look at it so far they've had 19 drives in regulation this year. 
10 of those drives in regulation and 10 of those 19 have gotten into the opponent's territory and not come up with any points. I mean, that's more than 50% of their drives have gotten into the opponent's territory and not got any points. And so um, they've got to find ways to get the ball in the end zone. And I think, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest question right now is can they consistently uh, find playmakers that when they do get to the 40, when they do get to the 35, that instead of stalling, somebody comes up with the play. And I think they're still searching for that a little bit. We've seen that with Michael Petway, Tariq Milton, DeSante Jones, uh, Charlie Kohler. Those are their top four guys right now. But, you know, can they find guys – um, to make plays down there when when the field gets tight. I think that's probably the biggest question right now. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert. Alex, 30 seconds left. The uh, uh, the bottom of the Big 12 is, looks like it's maybe a lot better than a lot of people anticipated, right? I mean, Kansas State going on the road and winning in Starkville. Uh, Kansas going picking off Boston College. TCU at Purdue and pounding them pretty good. Big 12 looks like it's pretty good, I guess, is where I'm going, Alex. Yeah, I don't think there's an easy game this year. I mean, West Virginia and Kansas are the easiest two games, and uh, they both beat NC State and Boston College this weekend mm-hmm. pretty handily. So it's going to be tough, and it's going to be interesting this week to see how West Virginia and Kansas play. I think, well, I don't know if we would have been saying that, but it'll be interesting to see how both of those do after big weeks last week. No doubt about it. Alex Halstead. Alex, thank you. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports for Alex Halstead. Uh, Bill Bender joins the program next. We'll go around college football national perspective next. We are here until noon. It's 27 minutes before the hour of 12 o'clock. It's 12 noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. How you can register for free. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's talk football, shall we? College football. little NFL as Bill's being sent on an NFL assignment this yeah. weekend. Browns versus Rams. Pretty good matchup, right? You'd hope so. I would think so. Very, they were impressive. I know they beat the Jets. They beat the Jets. Tap the brakes a little bit. Let's get Bill Bender in here. What promises to be just an outstanding weekend of college football. Certainly looks as though it can be like that, Bill Bender. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. should be an absolutely really good weekend. There's a good game on in every time slot. Indeed there is. Boy, I wish that uh, we'd get the Pac-12 network full-time, but it doesn't look as though that's going to happen anytime soon. But you're right. Bill, you're going to the NFL, and if you would have been down, yeah, Bill, we need you out on the college football beat. So many choices. I mean, you go to Athens for Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin's got the promise of being uh, just a terrific football game, and that's not it. There's there's a couple of other ones out there. That, A&M uh, Auburn? A&M Auburn's really big, no doubt about that. Where would you go, Bill? Uh, Texas, Oklahoma State? The way that the Cowboys have got off to the start, where would you, what's the best? What's that's the potential to be the best one? It's hard not to answer. Uh, you know the the big game between Georgia, Georgia and Notre yeah. Dame, just because it's the first time Notre Dame's going down there. It sounds like there's going to be ninety thousand people outside, ninety thousand people inside. Wow. Huge playoff implications. Um, I'm just wondering if Notre Dame can slow down that Georgia running game. And if they can, um, you know, does that mean we get a ball game? I think it's going to be tighter than people think, but it's hard to pick against Georgia in that one. You know, I think it is, too. And I did see something earlier. This was the most expensive ticket leading up to college football. And I'm assuming, just from what you said, right, mm-hmm. this is Notre Dame fans that are trying to, they're there for the very first time. They want to snap up these ducats. This was the most expensive ticket during the offseason. No surprise to you, Bill? Um, 
No, not really. Just because I, I mean, it's such a big game with those traditions, those brands. I mean, neither one of these schools has won a national title for a long time, but that doesn't mean they haven't been close. And I think that's something to keep in mind with these two teams that, uh, it's just a huge game. And I think the winner is in decent shape to make the playoff, and the loser is probably out. I know you're not officially out, really, till you lose twice, but, I mean, if you just look at the schedule for both teams, it's hard to picture the, the loser getting through without two losses. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting how that plays out, and it's so dependent on so many other factors that are out there, other conferences, how it goes down. Are we ready to drive a stake in the in the heart of the Pac-12? If if we're trying to kind of cross teams out, can we cross off a whole conference there outside of an undefeated Utah? Is the Pac-12 dead? Not yet. I mean, close because <laughs> I mean they've got four undefeated teams left. I think Utah still has a chance, and you mentioned them. And if they they can make a statement, they've never won at the Coliseum. <laughs> Found that an interesting stat going into this week. They haven't. They've never beat uh, USC at the Coliseum. And then that's the first step in really establishing themselves in the South. I mean, I don't think Arizona State, Washington State are teams that are going to go undefeated. Um, although Washington State, maybe this is the year Leach causes a little bit of chaos. Um, so, But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're in trouble as far as that goes. Bill Bender from the Sporting News is our guest. Bill, I have a, I think I've identified a team that they're not that far outside the discussion when, you know, you talk about the four teams that most people think are playoff bound and you get, you know, you get obviously Alabama and Clemson are most people coming out of most people's mouths and in Oklahoma, maybe in Ohio State, maybe a Utah if there is a Pac-12 team uh, that's going to get into the conversation. But what Joe Burrow is means to LSU, just the fact that, you know, they've always had playmakers, but they've never really had, it's been a long time since they've had a quarterback, maybe Jamarcus Russell. But he wasn't as accurate, I don't think, as Joe Burrow was turned out to be. What a turnaround, and what does his turnaround mean to the potential of LSU being a national championship threat? Oh, yeah, they absolutely are with him. I mean, just the way he's turned that offense around, the way he's throwing it, you know, to multiple receivers. And, uh, you know, they, they've made it look good in terms of that, the way he, he's been able to throw the ball around. And, in that offense, and he looks comfortable. He looks like he did when he played at Athens High School. And, um, you know, with Alabama, I think it's one of those things where that's what I'm looking at now, that LSU-Alabama will be highly entertaining when they play. I guess the focus for LSU is to get there undefeated because, you know, Auburn could be a hiccup. Florida could be a hiccup. But if Joe Burrow continues to play that way, the other thing, he's not like a game-breaker in the running game. But he's good enough to make mm-hmm. some plays in the running game, and that's something to keep in mind as they move forward. Bill Bender joining us from the Sporting News. Bill, you had an interesting stat there, Utah never winning in the Coliseum. Here's one for you as we go to Wisconsin, Michigan. Mm. Jim Harbaugh's never won a game as an underdog as the head coach of Michigan. Now 0-6 as a dog in this spot. The importance of this game, not just individually in the course of 2019, but big picture Boy, it feels like Michigan can't afford a loss here. No, I mean, yeah, they're one and five on the road against ranked teams. Everybody's going to be reciting Jim Harbaugh stats if they lose because they know <laughs> yeah, them all by yeah. now. They, they've struggled on the road. They've struggled in big games. Um, it is a big game, but I, I, I think they're going to win. I, I, I'll say that. I think they're going to go out there. I think um, 
they're going to uh, make a couple plays in the passing game. I think the bye week came at the perfect time for them because now they got to question who they are. They had a week to clean some things up. Wisconsin's good, though. Yeah. And I think I if think. you look at that, they're, they're two very evenly matched teams. And I just, I just have a hunch on this one. You guys can make fun of me next week if I'm wrong. <laughs> I just have a hunch that uh, the Wolverines – and I think it's a game where it's like you're not going to be totally sold on Michigan – but you're, it's going to keep those critics at an arm's length, at least for another week. Mm-hmm. Well, what what concerns me if I'm a Wisconsin fan or if I want to bet on Wisconsin, I just don't know what they've beaten, Bill. Central Florida and Central Michigan. Um, you know, and it's the way that they're beating them that gets everybody's attention. I mean, Taylor's Taylor, maybe the best in the country, but they haven't given up a, a, a single score this year, which is which is crazy. So what about the teams that they've been beating? Um, should that guy, I mean, those folks that want to step up to the window and bet the Badgers, should they tap the brakes a little bit based on that? Well, I mean, I you know, they could easily win that game, too. I mean, they're, they're a really good team. Um you know, they've got to be more than Jonathan Taylor, though. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, with the eight touchdowns. I mean, he's gone over 100 yards each of the last years against, two years against Michigan. That was in five yards per carry. But the difference between beating Michigan in 17 and losing last year was they weren't able to move the ball in the air. And uh, Michigan's run defense is pretty good. If they defended, uh, they defended Army's triple option pretty well, they defended... Middle Tennessee's running attack well, and this is more of a straight-ahead Big Ten game, the kind of game that Jim Harbaugh likes. I think it's going to be tight. Um, for Michigan, though, you know, if, if Shea Patterson turns it over three times, yeah, they're going to lose. Bill, want to get your perspective on this. Central Florida did what they needed to do against Stanford. Dominating performance there, they get the victory. They go to Pitt, who at least showed... A pulse, though Narduzzi's still struggling with math. They're at Pittsburgh. And made it worse, he actually tried to explain his decision on Monday. Central Florida runs the table again. And we get chaos in the end. Are they growing to the point... Look, after comparative scores will be a part of this, they go out there and they throttle Pittsburgh. And hey, Penn State could only beat them by a touchdown, and Central Florida beat them by 20. Whatever it may be, is there enough juice here... Cincinnati's pretty good. Tulane's improved. That American Conference is decent. A 13-0 and Central, 13-0 Central Florida team. Any sniff at all, even with chaos? Uh, you know, they're at least going to create the conversation. Again, I hope so. I didn't think, honestly, I didn't think they could. Nor did I. And the fact, fact that they are makes it interesting for me, that they're, they, they're probably going to recreate this conversation. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think, I don't think they can make the playoffs, but I think the best thing they can do is go 12-0 and again or 13-0, and mm-hmm. go get somebody in the New Year's Day Six Bowl and beat them, and then take that momentum into next year. So I know it's a never-ending process when you're UCF, but uh, you know if they made three straight BC, or, uh, New Year's Day Six Bowl games, I feel like they would have built up enough capital that maybe next year you can't ignore them. But uh, all they got to do is keep doing what they were doing. That was an impressive victory against um, – Stanford. I mean, just the way they outclassed them. No doubt. Bill Benner, last thing for you, Bill. The Big 12 overall, I'm starting to think that this might be, from top to bottom, as deep a conference. I mean, you know, the bottom feeders, at least what we thought they were going to be, right? Uh, Climbing can't get it done in his first year. Well, they go into Starfield, they beat Mississippi State. Kansas is on the road. Les Miles' first year knocking off Boston College. Uh, West Virginia picks off NC State. TCU crushes Purdue in West Lafayette. Top to bottom, where are you on this Big 12 conference maybe being as good of 
I mean, where do you want to put them? Are they top to bottom the best conference right now in college football or still an inch behind the SEC in your mind? I mean, the SEC is still the best conference. And, and the Big Ten's right there. And the Big 12 has certainly shown some depth. I think K-State's been an early season success story. that has been very interesting with who they have. So, uh, you know, but I, it's one of those deals where I think um, – the SEC still has the most teams capable of winning going to the playoff. I think the problem with the Big Ten is, other than Ohio State, and I've got an article coming out later today, so I'm going to sell this on you, that, that yeah, they break teams, but do they have somebody other than Ohio State that's truly capable of winning more than one playoff game? And I think I don't think the answer is yes no, there. No I think those are the only, that's the only team I think that's capable of actually winning more than one playoff game. Well, up at the Sporting News right now, you have an article, The Best Hail Marys mm. in College Football History. Take the Holloway with the local perspective. Where did up. that come in? Number five on the list. Can, can I try? Oops. Yeah. Can I try him? Uh, well, Flutie's. Top five. Well, Flutie's got it. Colorado has to be on the list, That's right? That's number two. Flutie's got to be on the list. Number one. All right, I'm stumped. <laughs> the Prairie Jordan Hare from okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Auburn in the comeback against yeah. Georgia in that one. Now, this is one that I don't remember, Bill. Holiday Bowl, SMU against BYU, the Happy Holiday Bowl. Help us out with that one. Yeah, they were down 20, four minutes left. Jim McMahon <laughs> leads a comeback. I don't know. I, I think I used to play the NCAA video game all the time. Mm-hmm. They had this college classics version where you had to like, this is good for the story because you had to replicate the Hail Marys of Cordell and Flutie, and then they... They tried to make you try. You had to be SMU and or you had to be BYU and come back from twenty down. I would sit up all night and try to do it. And I finally <laughs> did it one night. I woke my roommate up at three thirty in the morning to show him the score. He was still mad about it, but he he appreciated what I did. So uh, <laughs> one of those games that I'll, I'll you know obviously with that it's a fun list though. Um, there's a lot of hail marys on the honorable mention that didn't make it that were really good. I bet there were. Great stuff, Bill Bender. Thank, we appreciate you coming on with us uh, this time each and every Wednesday. We'll read that piece on Ohio State. Can another? Is there anyone else in the Big Ten that can win two playoff games? I, I think the answer is no. But I'm going to read it anyways, Bill Bender, as I always do with your stuff. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, Brad. Bill Bender, Sporting News, uh, joining us. Portions of which brought to us by uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller. FullerDental.net, General Dentistry, Cosmetic Dentistry, Restorative Dentistry. couple of locations uh, in the Des Moines area, one in Altoona, one on East 29th Street in Des Moines, 2822 East 29th and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Both of those locations now accepting new patients. Fill out the paperwork in advance of your visit, FullerDental.net. we got baseball coming up here in just a few minutes. They baseball uh, with any of the needle movers? Uh-huh. Get Cardinals ready for play this. this afternoon? 12-15. They do. Oh, Scherzer perfect. v. Wainwright. We Nationals got some are favored. They are, yeah, significant. Minus 165 okay. on the Nats in that one. But a good afternoon game. That so after we finish one. our TV duties, I know where you'll be. Right in front of 671. Yes, full <laughs> flight back to Ankeny, get in front of the television to get ready for you. So uh, looking forward to that. Should be good. I just I love watching Scherzer pitch. I just it's just an enjoyable experience. No, it does. It is. Um, he's, he's so good, and he's in the Cy Young conversation yet again. Mm-hmm. Very prominent in that conversation. In the National League CW twenty three has the Cubs tonight, as the uh, Reds and the Cubs will finish up that series. I know Cappy had Rizzo on after we spoke with him this morning on his show. 
The likelihood of him getting back in St. Louis at all, uh, slim and none. That sounded good. I don't think it does. That's what he said to us anyways, and I don't know if Rizzo uh, provided Cappy with any more uh, color on um, the chances of that happening. But Lester has to be great tonight, Trent. I don't think he can be. I just don't. What's the number on that game? Uh, Cubs big favor, minus 185. Doesn't that sound like a play against the way Lester's been so inconsistent? Now on the other side, uh, Tyler, is it Molly? Yes. Yes. He's 2-11 on the year with an ERA of 5.11. Well, if they can't get him here. Maybe tasting the over in this matchup. 10 is the total in this game. I've been playing a lot of first well, five the totals. Well, the Cubs have been hitting the ball. Too. Oh, so you playing first, first, first five, five innings. Yeah, first five totals, and it's been profitable. I think so I what found made my... you get into that? Did somebody suggest yeah, somebody, it? Yeah, somebody suggested it, then I've been playing around it. I've, yeah, had decent success. Maybe I found my way that I could maybe turn a profit in baseball, because by the end of the year, I bet too many games, fall in the trap. Oh, yeah, I got nine games on my card. You're not going to win doing that. But if I play these first fives... Do you ever play a nine or an eight or a big, big... Parlay number like a ten team or eight team. Rating. I do. They never come to fruition. It's just very. But boy, when they hit. Oh right? yeah. And is. all the books, all the properties now are are yeah. They're they're taking the beating at the window because uh-huh. they have to. But they're making sure that they tweet out that ticket. They want a little publicity. Yep. Like if it's going to cost them money, they may as well get. It's a smart move. We'll be talking about that inside the numbers on MediaCom MC twenty two. You can catch that four times Thursdays, Fridays, twice on Friday. Yes, and then early Saturday morning, I believe on MC twenty two over on Mediacom, and we'll walk across the street as soon as we get off the air here. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we will have, well, Lee Sterling joins the program. Scott Dockerman's going to join the program, working on a Big 12 angle as well. And, well, it's Thursday. It's Stephen M. Sipple time. Sipple, uh, they have Illinois, correct? They do. The Illini, after taking a loss to Eastern Michigan. Now, you liked this game two weeks ago as a potential maybe Nebraska gets picked off. Have you, are you still there? Absolutely. You still are. Oh, yeah. One game does not change my opinion, my friend. All right. Well, we'll talk to Sip about that tomorrow. Uh, Murph and Andy coming your way at 2, then the Fanatics, and you're part of that today? I'll be, uh, yeah, hosting the Fanatics, myself and Emery Songer, and before Hawk Central. You've got that too. I'll be hosting that with the Register Boys. Petey's gone fishing. Tomorrow morning, Morning Rush starts it all again. Miller and Condon, thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.